Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? And what wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics, rising authoritarianism, and racial capitalism? What beauty can we find in our resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns uh, she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee peoples. And I'm Reverend Liz Carney. My pronouns are she and her. I uh, am a ordained Presbyterian Church USA pastor living on the occupied lands of the Cowlitz Indian tribe. And I'm so grateful to be here with y'all. So glad podcast. you're here, Liz. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, so glad you're here. I was going to say that this podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Go ahead. <laughs> this podcast is a project of Search Faith. And it's particularly designed for folks like Ann and I, white Christians, uh, who are turning towards other white Christians to talk about race and white supremacy. And we believe white Christians like us have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy. And also, we believe we have a responsibility to tell a new story about Christianity for white Christian folks because our lives, all our lives depend on it. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use this song for this podcast. The word is resistance. I'm so happy to be here with you today, Liz, obviously, because I totally interrupted you because I was <laughs> too excited. <laughs> I'm delighted and always love to have these conversations with you. <laughs> yeah, I should let you know that it is nine minutes until five o'clock, which means that at some point, Selena's going to start meowing for her supper. I'm surprised she hasn't already. So if anybody hears a cat howling, that is what is happening. <laughs> yeah, and I can't say that my cats are going to have their meal time yet because we're in very different time zones. Um, but they've been known to just start howling at my door because they want to come into the office where I'm sitting. So <laughs> if our cats add to the chorus of our conversation... That seems That's right somehow because be we spend a lot of time sending each other cat memes to keep us going in these troubled we sure times. Do. We sure do. Between cat memes and talking about how much we love pizza, I think. Yes. Yeah. The, the common bonds of our friendship. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, so when we decided to do an episode together, um, we took a look at the lectionary and picked this uh, week. Um and we looked at this week's test this, this week's texts ah, and we're really struck by both the psalms we don't 
do Psalms very much on this podcast. We we're often doing the gospels, but we rarely are doing Psalms for whatever reason, but we were both really struck by them. There's um, Psalm one and some verses from Psalm 90. And each of us were drawn to one of those in particular. Um, and what it helps to think and feel about our ancestors with All Saints Day coming up in in, in the week of, of this lectionary reading. So what we're gonna do is, um, Liz is gonna share a little bit of her reflections about Psalm 1, and I'm gonna share a little bit of my reflections about Psalm 90, and then we'll also have some conversation together, and I think that it will be lovely. I agree, and I'm, I'm glad we're here with all of y'all who are listening along for this conversation. Yes. Wonderful. So I'm going to go ahead and read for us Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Holy One, and on God's Torah they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Holy One watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Mm. So, <laughs> um, I think we'll have more conversation about this later, but what I don't find helpful about this psalm, <laughs> as an Enneagram one who's always trying to get out of my binary thinking, is, um, you know, oh, the wicked are over here and the righteous are over there. Mm -hmm. And never, the, never between shall they meet. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think... But that's my main takeaway from what the psalm is about. Um, what what I what I'm sitting with today um, is the way that I feel like this psalm is facts about what causes a community of plants to thrive mm. and what causes them to wither. And we get to choose which way to live, thriving or withering. Um, you know, the law, which we're invited to revel in in this psalm and keep it close in our daily lives, has always been about things like equitably sharing resources to make sure everyone has what they need, which is how um, we live in right relationship with God and with our neighbors. Yeah. Um, so that's what's on my mind as I think about this psalm initially. And I, I love that this psalm does not say that person is like a tree, but, but rather they are like trees, <laughs> many trees planted mm. by streams of water. Um, because what that says to me is that individual trees don't just need water to drink by themselves. Um, I actually, you know, I've talked about, and many on this podcast have talked about mycelial fungal networks that grow underneath <laughs> trees. Very, you know, 
you'll hear us, you'll hear us talk about it. And I was Googling that this week and reminding myself that the water isn't just for the individual tree to take a drink. The water is what allows um, the mycelial, mycelial network to grow. It's a fungus. It needs the moisture. It needs the water. And it helps. That is what helps the trees be connected to each other and share nutrients with each mm. other when they're, they, they communicate to say when they're in times of distress and trouble, they can receive help. Um, when they're going through those times of trauma. So the trees are alive, not just because they're individually taking drinks of water that they need, but because the water is what make is what make is what is making it possible for these trees to participate together in a interdependent community. Mm. So that's something coming to my mind. Um, I love that. Especially as we think of all saints day, um, all of us together, um, Another thing that was coming to me as I was kind of looking into some of the meaning of the the Hebrew in this psalm, um, that verse that talks about, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Um, that word that gets translated in the NRSV as stand, it can also mean to endure or persist. And I kind of like that better. <laughs> mm, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when the psalmist is writing that the wicked will not stand in the judgment, I think it could mean that the ones who trust in that rugged individualism of the tree by themselves, um, drinking water on their own and rejecting God's design for them to live in interdependent communities of mutual care, they won't be able to endure or persist under the stress and trauma that is to come because we're made to depend on each other. I think that's how we're going to make it. Mm. Mm. Um, so I, I've been thinking about all of this a lot as we approach the observance of All Saints Day remembering and connecting with those who came before us, those who are coming after us. And I've been asking myself, how did the people who came before me, how did my ancestors go along with, or how did they embrace that lie of rugged individualism for survival that was fed to them by the American empire as this pathway for them to be assimilated and accepted into whiteness. Many of my ancestors, like a lot of white folks, um, emigrated from Europe, various parts of Europe for different reasons. So how, how did they get assimilated into whiteness? How, how did it happen? What choices were they making? What systems were they under that they were wrestling with? And how might they have resisted? Um, Instead, finding solidarity with the other folks around them across lines of difference, um, drinking deeply together of the water that would help them build that mycelial network that would give them resilience under these forces of oppression. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about that um, because all of us are just a blend of both, <laughs> um, including my own ancestors. Yeah. Um, and my beloved spouse, Dexter, in some of the time that he has had off recently from uh, a day job, 
he's been he's been actually spending some time he was a history major when he was in college. He loves context and understanding the background. And he's been digging into both of our family lineages to explore when our European ancestors who immigrated here, quote unquote, became white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have ancestors who came from Norway and found jobs in oil refineries, for example. These were really dangerous jobs, like many jobs today in extraction, extraction industries are super dangerous. And actually two of my ancestors were killed in refinery related accidents. Mm. And I, I think about how the trauma of losing your beloveds in those terrifying ways, um, because it was, I imagine one of the only jobs available to them as immigrants coming from Norway, trying to make it here. Um, and I think about how all that is related to the violence that they were even partaking in mm. upon the land. Yeah. Um, extracting fossil fuels, harming in lands in ways that can't be fully repaired. And, and then that is all connected to genocide of indigenous peoples who had been caring for that land for generations. And it's just this, trauma begetting trauma begetting trauma and I just have this like achy tenderness in my heart when I think about all of those lineages um you know I also learned from Dexter and some of his exploration about some ancestors who resisted empire in ways I I did not expect to find Dexter found that my great, great, great grandfather, Edward Fitch, mm. moved to Kansas as it was about to become a state in order to keep it from becoming a pro-slavery state, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is complicated because um, obviously in order to set, quote unquote, settle a new state that requires erasing indigenous people from the area. Um, and that's something I'm still learning more about. Um, I have a lot of digging in on that particular part of the history. Um, and what I, what I learned about Edward Fitch is that he was actually murdered in front of his wife and children, including my grandmother's granddaddy by Confederate soldiers during a raid in Lawrence, Kansas because of his commitment to the abolition of slavery. Wow. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I'm ever going to understand how my ancestors made the decisions that they were making, some of them under harsh conditions that I've been too privileged to experience myself. And those privileges that have shielded me are direct results of how my family on both sides was able to assimilate into whiteness, right? Um, in retrospect, I can see how at every turn throughout history, my ancestors had these two forces vying for their loyalty. One of empire asking them to submit to ways of domination and extraction in exchange for becoming white as a mm -hmm. way to find belonging and, you know, just to get their tangible needs met. And one of resistance to empire, which 
was seeking solidarity with other folks across difference because united the oppressed are more powerful than the oppressors. We hope we long for that to be true. Right. 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 And historically the changes that have happened have been because oppressed folks across difference have united with each other to build power and to, to create the conditions where they can thrive. So I'm, I'm growing in my empathy, my compassion for my ancestors making these choices because I am also making these choices every single day. I Mm -hmm. think we all are. There's no way to be pure in this world under these systems of racial capitalism, of white supremacy, patriarchy, heterosexism, all of it. Yeah. And and, and, and there's a path that the Psalm tells us leads to the water that builds the root system that helps keep each other alive. And there's a path that leads away from the water that dries out our connections to each other and leaves us like chaff that the wind drives away, as it says in the Psalm. So for me, there is, as I prepare myself for observing All Saints Day, there's haunting in in Mm -hmm. looking at the paths Mm -hmm. my ancestors navigated and the choices they made. And there's inspiration and encouragement. Water, there's that too. I I will be holding all of that as I observe All Saints Day this year. Mm. Those are some things on my mind, Anne. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I am so curious. I know that uh, Psalm 1 was sort of calling to me when I was looking at the, the texts and you had said, oh, Psalm 90 is kind of calling to me. So I, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a little breath here and then we'll come back with Psalm 90. Sounds good. Yeah. So, I mean, as an herbalist, which I am, which people who've been listening for a while, they know, they know that. Um, and also as someone with really complicated ancestors, uh, I resonate so much with what you're saying and almost like just want to dive in right there. Um, (laughs) the path to the water just really hit me hard in my, in my chest, um, Mm -hmm. with all that we're living through right now in this moment of history, like, uh, just wanting that so much. Um, but first, <laughs> I want to share a little bit about Psalm 90, um, and then we can definitely dig into all of this together. Um, Psalm 90 struck me in part because it's the text for one of my favorite hymns. Um, oh, God, our help in ages past, which is set to a hymn tune that's called St. Anne. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Um, in which my mom wrote a really fabulous organ piece for based on that hymn tune. Um, so it's it kind of holds that kind of special place for me, the 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 psalm and the hymn, etc. Um, but anyway, let me read it. 
what the selection is, and then I'll I'll talk some about what else struck me about it as well. Um, so this is Psalm 90, we get verses 1 through 6, and then 13 through 17. Holy One, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. Turn, O Holy One, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Holy One, our God, be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of our hands. So the, the first thing that really strikes me about this psalm is, is that opening, those opening lines of, um, you have been our dwelling place in all the generations from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Um, and it really makes me think about my sabbatical last year. Um, I spent five weeks in Ireland, Scotland, and England, um, which you know, but other folks who may be um, listening to us may not know. Um, but my real like express intention and commitment in, in that trip, it wasn't like to just go and be a tourist. The intention was really to experience the familial and land and spiritual ancestries of where my family comes from. And so I worked with my mom, who is our uh, family genealogist, to figure out places that I could go, um, that we knew that, you know, lineages of my family had come from. Um, and in fact, I just this week, just a couple of days ago, got a whole packet of more family trees that my mom has now filled out based on my trip. Oh last my year. gosh. Yeah. Um, all new lines of people. Anyway, so one commitment that I made as I worked out my itinerary of where I was going to be, et cetera, um, was that each Sunday that, that I was there, I would worship somewhere of significance for my ancestors. Um, and as it turned out, these were really, really, really old churches. Like there is nothing on this continent. There is no church on this continent that is as old as any of the places where I went to church. That's um, three of the pla of the four places that I worshiped were um, churches that my ancestors not only worshiped in, but also helped to found and build or rebuild as the case may be. Um, and those were, those four churches were St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin. Um, don't know if Mary family was there, but, 
the significance of St. Patrick to Celtic Christians is enormous. And so that, you know, that kind of like spiritual legacy. But then three places where my family were in, in Scotland, the Kirk in our ancestral village of Dunlop, um, Dunfermline Abbey, which is in Dunfermline, mm-hmm. of course, um, and Iona Abbey. Mm-hmm. And it's Iona that I particularly think of when I uh, when I read these opening verses of Psalm 90, you have been our dwelling place in all the generations before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been to Iona, Liz? I can't remember. I have. You have. I, have. I was only there for like, it was a day trip and I mm. so wish that I had been there a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> But you probably remember how it feels like you're just at the end of the earth. Yes. Because you, what we did was take the train from Glasgow to Oban, take the ferry to Mall, bus across Mall, then ferry across to Iona, which is a tiny little island. Yes. Yeah. My main, one of the key memory, two memories in my mind are like the color of that water. Yes. It's like that like turquoise, Uh like bright color. And then also the sheep. Yes. Like the sheep were like a very big part of that experience for me. They just are like around. They're just like part of just watching part of the community there, you know? Yep. I have lots of pictures of the Iona sheep. So (laughs) yes. So definitely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know this, but the Iona is a place of like deep spiritual significance. Um, not only for Christians, but 1,500 years worth of Christian presence yeah. on that island um, and a place of deep spiritual significance for Celtic Christians, which were some, which are some of my ancestors, uh, my Scottish ancestors. And also because part of my ancestry is um, the older Scottish uh, royalty. Uh, some of my ancestors are buried there. The Dalriata and Scottish kings who are buried there. I, I realized that. Are you my probably ancestors. told me that and I forgot. That is remarkable. Yeah. And and it was this like central spiritual place that complicated, like helped bring Christ- Celtic Christianity into the highlands, particularly of, of Scotland. Um uh so it was it was a place of great significance of both being that kind of royal burial ground as well as this the spiritual center for several hundred years. Um, and I remember when when we got there, it just it felt like for one thing it was raining and it felt like like we had just been this cloud had just kind of descended around the island. We couldn't get any data internet access wi-fi in the hotel on our phones like nothing so it was just like you have to just be here yeah and i mean and it really felt like time was suspended that i could tell you on the calendar how many days we were there but it felt like we were there for weeks even though i think it was like three days it's hard for to me to remember how many days we were actually there, hmm. um, like specifically because it was just such this sense of being suspended in in time and in space. Um, 
it was so powerful to see, for example, um, the oldest still like original building, St. Oren's Chapel, um, in this Celtic Christian style and recognizing, oh, this is what my McGregor ancestors who lived in the Highlands, kind of north of Glasgow, that's how their church would have looked like before mm-hmm. the Campbells tore it down and ran them out. Longer story for another moment in our podcast, perhaps. Um, yes. Wow. Like, oh, this is what, this is how they would have worshipped. It would have felt like this. It would have looked like this. Um But I tell you something about like worshiping and praying in the Abbey, which has been rebuilt many times, including by uh, uh, like my ancestors, um, Malcolm III and St. Margaret helped to rebuild it. Um, But it's been this constant place of Christian prayer and devotion for like 1500 years. Mm -hmm. We have, we have nothing on this continent that in terms of Christian presence, we certainly have that in like indigenous presence. Mm But to be in this place where prayer and devotion has, has, you know, in, in the lineage that I have been raised in, right, of Christianity has, has been so constant. It was, it was um, almost overwhelming in, of like being able to feel even in my body the, I don't even know if I have good words for it, like the sacredness, the connection, and this sense of like the collapsing of time. That's the only way that I know how to describe it really is that somehow um, past and present and future all just became kind of one, sitting and praying in this abbey and and with this intention that I had around connecting with my ancestry. But part of also my intention was that, you know, I was doing this not only for myself, but also for my ancestors too. And also for the generations that are going to come after me, my, my nieces and nephews um, in particular. And I spent a lot of time just thinking about them and the kind of world we're leaving for them. And this sense of, everything that Iona has seen that, that amount of history, which is really just a blip, but also feels like 1500 years is a really long time. Um, Yes. And like, God, if we can just, you know, like it's just all held there together. And, and I felt it's not a weight, almost like a, a lightness of, of suspension. Hmm. Um, walking around the island, sitting in the abbey and praying, being in St. Oren's Chapel. Um, and that, I don't think that I've had that experience before, feeling like, oh, time is not linear. All of it is present right here in this moment. Yeah. The ancestors are here present. I am here present. The future generations are here present. We are all here present and God is here present all together with us. And it gave me a lot of comfort actually because of the the state that we are in, in in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it strikes me that people prayed for you there. Yeah. Over generations of like praying for the people coming yeah. after them. You know, and like 
your I didn't even think of that, like that my ancestors would have been praying for the generations to come. And then I was there praying for the generations to, oh, damn. Yeah. Every time Psalm 90 was uttered in that space, right? They were praying for the generations to come. Everlasting to everlasting. No wonder it's a thin space when you go. Oh, it very much is. And you know, it's funny because I always kind of like, because Iona has this, I don't know, over here, maybe you experience this too, is like this, like, oh, Celtic Christianity is like, eh, it's perfect. And you go to Iona and it's like, eh. yeah, it's, I don't it's know. a thing. And I, it's, it's, totally it's a, a little bit of a thing. Um, and that wasn't really why I went. I didn't go because it's like, Iona. Do your big spiritual pilgrimage. I went because that's where my people are buried. Like that's, yeah. that's why I went, you know. Yes. And damn if it's not true though. <laughs> it turned out to be true. Spiritually powerful, thin place. Um where past, present, and future all kind of collapsed into itself. And and so I think about the like cycles of nature that that are also in Psalm one. They're in your Psalm, you know. The these they're not just metaphors. They're like the wisdom, and not only the wisdom, but like this is also how we're built. We're not separate from it. We are part of it. We function in the same way. We move in the same way. But here in Psalm ninety, you know, these cycles of life and death, the renewal of the grass, the withering of the grass. And then the morning comes and there's the renewal and the wither and, and, and it's just all held. It's just all one thing and it's, and it's all God. So again, that like collapsing of time, because it's just, it's all one thing, past, present, future. It's all here. Um, and this first part of, of this Psalm is really a doxology about how everything is held mm-hmm. by God, everlasting to everlasting all of it um the ancestors us the generations to come and of course i i think about how like you know empires can't do that they can't hold that they're like the opposite of that um bergman talks about that which i'm not going to be able to pull off the top of my head the exact quote but that you know empires are only about this is now the only reality that ever is, which is not yeah. the same as the grass withers, the flower fades, you know, the renewal and the withering, the trees by the water, you know, um, and all of that held by God. Um, yeah. And then the second half of the psalm, the, the tone changes at verse 13. It actually changes a little earlier, but we don't get those verses in the lectionary for whatever reason. Um to this, like, how long, how long, O Lord, make us glad. Let what we do prosper. And I hear, like, echoes of trauma in that. Make us glad as many days as you've afflicted us and as many years as we've seen evil. Like, um, my beloved and I have actually prayed that line from this psalm. When yeah. stuff is hard in the world, you know, and, like, when we lost um, our brother-in-law to COVID or... Uh, nearly lost her brother, like just 
definitely during the pandemic, you know, we were praying, make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. Like you have to pay us back for the suffering that we're going through right now. And so what that tells me is that, you know, that the people singing this psalm and it's named as a lament psalm, which I didn't really realize because the hymn is not so much a lament. It's, it's more of the doxology piece to the people singing the song. They've clearly been through some shit and they're like, longing for something different for like deep rejoiceful satisfaction Mm. and that also makes me think about you know my my ancestors you know what you've shared about yours as well and like the kinds of choices that they had to make the kinds of violence that they saw and the choices that they had to make within that violence yeah and and so like and so that like the echoes of trauma that are in this psalm are the echoes of trauma that are also still with us. And how, you know, so for All Saints Day, I think about how we like not only honor but also reckon with the echoes of that trauma. Mm. Um Should we talk about that some? Because I bet we could. Yeah, because I mean, the first thing that came to mind when you said that actually was that reckoning with the echoes of that trauma, the echoes of that trauma are always here. We just don't always, sometimes we act like they're it's not real <laughs> or it, it's always it's always present. And I feel like all Saints Day is maybe maybe that's like part of the resistance invitation of All Saints Day is to pause and explicitly name that those echoes of the trauma are real mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in our bodies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I'll I think too about, <laughs> yeah, I think too about how like sometimes we we try to pretend they're not real, but also sometimes we're we're not taught what actually happened. That's right. We're taught a very like whitewashed history, and I use that word whitewashed on, on purpose, like washed into whiteness. Yes. Um, uh, that really flattens the the story of immigration from Europe into oh we were just seeking you know for a better life in the american dream and freedom or whatever as if everybody was making like one single choice based on yeah. one single context and this is not at all to like try to diminish or erase the harm that our ancestors did because mine certainly did do that mine too um It's like, at the same time, I'm thinking about, like, my McGregor ancestors. I mentioned earlier, right, before the Campbells came in and destroyed their church. So what happened was the McGregors, the clan McGregor, lived in in Glenorchy. They lived there. um, They were the stewards of that land for, I don't know, 800 years, centuries. They were Celtic Christians. Um. 
there's a lot of like talk about the McGregor's like they were savage and they were violent and they were this and they were that. That may be true, but also <laughs> um, what I learned standing in the churchyard trying to figure out where they were buried in Glenorchy from a member of, of the clan, Clan McGregor, um, is that when the crown, and this would have been like the, the after the union of the Scottish and English crowns. So when the crown became Protestant, so this is the impact of the Reformation, some uh, family groups, some clans were like, we're going to become Protestant because we know that's where the power is. And that's what the Campbells did. They became Protestant as, as access to power because hmm. the crown was now Protestant. Hmm. And the McGregor said, we're not interested in being Protestant. We are Celtic Christians. That is who we are. We're not going to give that up. Yeah. Um, and there's some conflation, I think, with like Catholic and also Celtic Christian. But they were clearly practicing out of the Celtic Christian, what, what they've been able to find from um, the um, the destruction of their original church. Like they were... They were Celtic. They weren't Roman. Yeah. There, there is actually a difference. And so um, to try to gain power, the Campbells began persecuting the clan. And there were like fights. There were massacres of McGregor's, um, including around the church. Um, hmm. The Campbells went into the church and tossed the grave slabs which is how they buried their chiefs those, those were my ancestors were the chiefs they would bury them around the altar and then there would be grave slabs they tossed the grave slabs out into the yard this is over like several decades at, at least i think of this this like persecution that kept increasing and increasing eventually they like smashed the altar and buried it um tore mm. down the church and built a new one and so one of the things that I noticed when I was looking at the at the family tree that my mom had done of this line of our family is that generations, everybody's like being born, the, the men being born in Glenorchy, getting married in Glenorchy, or right around there, dying in Glenorchy, mm -hmm. or being buried in Glenorchy. Like it's all like right around in the same place. But then what starts to happen is like somebody is born in um, in Northern Ireland in County Antrim, like they've gone across the water, they've gotten born, they come back, or they've gotten married over there and come back. So mm -hmm. the, now there, there starts to be this going back and forth. And then at a certain point they go over and they don't come back. And from there mm -hmm. they go to Southern Ireland to Waterford, I think it is, to the big port where they immigrated to the United States. Oh, wow. And I was like, I wonder why that happened. And why it happened was they were going to safety to make sure that the, the sons of the chiefs could get born and could get married and then could come back while this persecution was happening. Hmm. And what eventually happened in it's like around 1609, I think, is the king um, essentially 
disbanded the clan. It was like, this is going to stop and it's going to stop by, we're going to disband you. You are no longer allowed to use your name. So everybody's name changes at that point, which is exactly what you see in my family lineage, in mm-hmm. our family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't leave, we will kill you. So a lot of McGregor's like just disappeared into the highlands, but some of them, including my ancestors, um, went back over to County Antrim. That was the last, that's when they went over and didn't come back. Um, and then I think some of them eventually did back because the king later, the king was like, okay, that's over now and you, you can come back. But you know, a lot of people that were just gone by then. Yeah. And so that's how that line of my family ends up on this continent was under the threat of death. And I learned from the um, from Keith uh, when we were in Glenorchy that they've done studies on the la- on the land there around in the churchyard, and there's very clear evidence of the altar being smashed, of mass burials underneath the church. You know all of the stories that were told about that persecution have been proven. It was not something that was like made up, and of course the decrees from the king, those kinds of things are are, are yeah. very clear. And so, whew. You know, it's like, so where does that live in in our families' bodies? Yes. We have a similar story in the Dunlop line, which I'm not going to go through, but similarly, like, fuck the king is kind of what it all was. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Yeah. Consequences when you you go against the crown, apparently. Um, Yeah. But we aren't told those stories. We aren't told those stories. We have to go dig them up. We're not told that that's the history. We're just told that people came over for like freedom and better opportunity. But like yeah. from what? From what? We didn't want Wherever to live under you a go, king. There you like are. maybe there was a good reason we didn't want to live under a king. Like why? Right? Yeah. And so, you know, I've thought so much about that since I've been back, like for white people, this just erasure of, because that's trauma, watching your people be killed. Yes. And to have that just be flattened into some kind of one version of an immigration story, like that we're never taught like where does that go how does that screw us up yes and then what do we do about it <laughs> what do we do about it what do we I do mean, about it's, it it's reminding me also of um uh resma menikem's work on white body supremacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how i i remember when i uh my grandmother's hands in his book he in that particular book he writes about like, by the way, let me take you back to what was happening in Europe in the centuries leading up to 1619 and enslaving Africans and, you know, um, committing genocide against indigenous peoples. Let's talk about what was happening on those continents before folks came over here. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, you know, because he's he's writing this as a, a black man. <laughs> yeah, I think mm-hmm. he was, he's living in Minneapolis and you know, also speaking into the time after George Floyd was murdered, like white folks, you've got to like, this is living in your bodies. 
and it has been living in your lineages for centuries. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, there you are. Just because you crossed the ocean doesn't mean all of that didn't come with you and Mm -hmm. then got visited upon the folks who were already here and then the folks that were enslaved by white settlers to to build our infrastructure, right? And That's the irony is like that line um, of the McGregor's in, in our family went south here. The the Dunlops that were covenanters that, you know, ended up on this continent because it was, you know, you're going to go settle South Carolina or I'm going to kill you, says the king. You yeah. know, they end up in the South. They end up, like, supporting the Confederacy. They end up enslaving people. And it's like... And I I wonder about, like, that erasure of, of the truth of... of why people immigrated like if you if you knew if we knew those stories of how our ancestors for like to go back to to what you said about psalm one and like trying to find the path to water mm-hmm. you know those those dual kinds of um allegiances that are fighting for us and like we have those lineages in us that we're not going to let the king tell us what to do how to worship how to live yes yes we're going to protect our families from you know whatever violence that 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 is going to visit on us like it could it would could be a source for us to make common cause with people who are are also experiencing oppression and violence yeah under the U.S. Empire. Yeah, I mean, yes, it, it's. I mean, and thinking about All Saints Day again for me, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about. You know, I'm thinking about my own time that I've spent in therapy before. To like, <laughs> so much of that work has been like speaking to this like little child who still like lives here mm-hmm. in my body. Yeah. Um, at, and I and I think about so much of the like um, reparenting of self, <clears throat> you know, of like speaking tenderly to that child, and um, and it makes me think that I wonder if that's part of the invitation of All Saints Day too, is to like speak tenderly to our ancestors mm. as we like bring to the surface like some of these traumatic stories, <laughs> ones mm. like you've been telling about your family. Um, you know, I think having grown up in Protestant land, it's like get real squirrely about like, oh, well, we don't talk about like the saints and like, you know, we're not like the Catholics. We don't like, you know, petition the saints in, in, in our, you know, that was not a part of the tradition I grew up in. (laughs) Me either. Yeah. And well, and actually it is all saints day is part of the Protestant tradition that I, you know, I wasn't introduced to it in the evangelical circles that I was growing up in. And now, like, I feel like that's part of the resistance invitation there mm. is to, to go back to those lineages where there is trauma and there's, and to speak tenderly to those folks, the way that we would speak tenderly to ourselves in yeah. trying to find healing and 
to recognize that actually time is suspended. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially, and we recognize it, especially on that day, you know, yeah. we take a day to observe that and yeah. what kind of healing could happen in us. And, and like you're saying, how could that healing lead us to find the common cause with yeah. other folks where we see like, oh, that thread that I learned about my family story, it's, ha- it's happening right now to mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who are here. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm finding my shared interest yeah. in building this coalition together. Yeah. yeah. Or even it's happening to me. It's happening to us. Like it's how are we being? To me. <laughs> how are we being asked to declare loyalty to something that actually we don't want to? Maybe. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Yeah, and I think about that. You know that that tenderness with our, with our ancestors and how, um, I think I've said this before on references before on the podcast, but what Adrian Marie Brown and, um, uh, Autumn Brown and Alexis Pauline gums on their podcast podcast for, for the end of the world. Oh yeah. Um, how to survive. This was the years. The yeah. How to survive the end of the, uh, the end of the world. And this was several years ago when they were talking and Alexis Pauline gums talked about how, when we do our work with, when we do our own work, we're, we're helping to heal not only the, our ancestral lineages, but the generations to come. So it's that, so it it is that collapsing of time still like what we're able to do now, you know, we can look with, with like honesty at the lineages that we come from, how complicated they are, not whitewash them, be honest about, like I would not have made those choices. Maybe. Maybe. Actually. Can but I, I actually am making say choices that? But today, I'm making choices so. now. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows if I had been, you know, raised in in the South a hundred years earlier than I was. Right. Or 150 years earlier. Would I have made different choices? Mm-hmm. Am I sure about that actually? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can make different choices now. And my experience in working with my ancestors and sitting in these cemeteries, because I spent a lot of time in cemeteries on the yeah. sabbatical, it might seem like a really strange thing to do. You know, a lot of people like on their sabbaticals like go to the beach or I don't know what and I'm like sitting in cemeteries mm-hmm. you know talking to my ancestors um even when I couldn't find gravestones for them because they're so old yeah um yeah uh and you know th- thanking them even when I didn't always understand them because I wouldn't be here without them yeah um, but all I have ever felt from them, um, with one exception, which which is a lineage that, like, very wealthy English, not good in England and not good in the United States either. They're very right. reticent to come out and and have a conversation. But I talk to them anyway. Um, yeah. But all yeah. all of the all my other experiences always been. 
you know, when I, when I call upon them, I feel them present is, is this, this deep sense of love and like, yes, please, please keep doing what you're doing. Like we are, we are here with you and we are here for you and we love you. And yeah, when I was in Dunfermline, um, uh, Saint Saint Margaret, Queen Queen of Scotland, married to Malcolm the Third. So this is about a thousand nine hundred fifty years ago. Um, she's declared a saint. I actually have her saint's medallion that I wear around my my neck. Oh, is that what that is? I that's saw what that you is. wearing that. Yeah. Okay, that's what that um, is. Um, there's the the remains of a shrine that is still there. Um, she founded the, the priory there and then her son, David built the Abbey. Um, also my ancestor anyway. And I sat there in the shrine and talked to her for the longest time and just had the most overwhelming sense of just being held in love mm. across time. Again, this like time is just, it's not this linear thing that's like whatever is behind us is gone. We can mm -hmm. still access it. Access them. And I don't know about you, but mostly in my experience is that they want to help. Yeah. They want to help. Yeah. And they thought about us. I mean, it's in the Psalms, right? It is. Everlasting to everlasting. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't believe any of it gets wasted. Hmm. And you know what's coming to my mind right now is when I got to visit you. Uh-huh. And the city... Yeah. had removed the tree in front of your yard. Oh, yeah. And that morning we woke up and that big digger from the city was taking out all oh, the old yeah. dirt. Yeah. To uh -huh. remove it. Uh-huh. I forgot you were here when they did that. Mm -hmm. And to clean it out. Mm -hmm. I, I remember looking out the window with you and you were like, what are they doing? <laughs> like the... Do they know, like, what is in that soil? Like, I can't remember exactly what you said, but we had this whole conversation yeah, about, like... because it's the, the, the whole, like, microbial ecosystem that... So, like, this soil knows itself, and they took it all away. <laughs> the good, it's the been bad, very the traumatic, ugly. this whole situation. Yeah, like, it just is, like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's, like, such a metaphor of, like... Empire wants to just like take out uh, all the old shit, all the soil, yeah. throw it away and like put something completely, you know, this yeah. like sterile whatever in there. Yeah. And then come um, and they like scattered grass seeds, which yeah, was grown in a few places, but mostly not and doesn't match anything else. Like, no, no. And like, what is lost yeah. from so many years of things dying and yeah. creatures and bugs participating yeah. in like the last bits of the tree itself because that what they did too was before you were here was they 
ground up the stump. And so there was all of these grindings of the of the of the tree stump still in the soil. So it could have composted to bring new life. But no. That's such a great, yeah, we just wipe off, scrape it all off. Well, and I, f I feel like that's part of what All Saints Day is, is like, no, leave it there. It exists. Mm. I know you want, I know you may want to throw some of it away. Yeah. But, and like, don't forget all the beauty that's mixed in there. It's all mm -hmm. together. It's all yeah. this big mess. And like new things will grow out of it. Empire yes. wants to come and shovel it out. <laughs> um, but All Saints Day is saying no. It actually somehow all belongs. It all belongs. Which makes me think of that transformative justice principle, you know, no one is disposable. No one is disposable. It all belongs. It all belongs. They all belong. Which, we all belong. <laughs> yeah, we all belong. Because I think sometimes this kind of like, oh, my ancestors had to be perfectly good, oh, or they made bad decisions, and so they're completely bad, and so that gets to help me define like what goodness is. Am I a good person? Like, like none of that. None of that. That's not it. You know, the grass is renewed every morning. The tree drinks the water. The trees all drink the water. I had to correct myself. The trees <laughs> drink the water that nourishes not only themselves, but the whole ecosystem yeah there's not there's not this like binary for them or for us that's right and who does the binary serve in well i believe that i have said that that um binaries are in the service of empire so you have to <laughs> Because when binaries exist, then there's somebody deciding who gets to get thrown away. That's right. I think I wrote about that in our in, in the book we did. I think you did. I think I did. <laughs> you know, and it's comforting in some ways. And maybe that's what All Saints Day can help us remember, too, is that... Um, uh that okay if, like if we're all held in it like i don't i don't actually have to be perfect to be held in it that's right which is really hard for someone who's trying to <laughs> yeah yeah it just is mm -hmm. The psalm doesn't say, oh, the, the renewed grass is the good grass and the, the withered grass is the bad grass. It's just grass. It's just grass. 
being grass. Because definitely like trying to be the perfect, like I have to do all the things or somehow the world is not going to get saved. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you have that problem. And not that <laughs> we don't yeah, have that responsibility, <laughs> right? To do what we can and to make better choices and and to keep trying to reorient ourselves towards the path to water. Yeah. And also there's no way to do that perfectly. It's like you were saying, there's no purity in this. You know, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Like there's, <laughs> there's no pure way to not live without causing some harm you know, and like to let us ourselves off, let ourselves off the hook a little bit for like, I don't know, guilting and shaming ourselves in ways that aren't helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like All Saints Day gives us the invitation to like sit and be held in that tension, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I mean, being fully awake is hard sometimes. Um, and I feel like there's like an invitation to being fully awake that happens on all saints. Yeah. And the invitation is both. It's like, be fully awake to the trauma that lives in your body mm. that you participate in visiting on other people. And it's mm -hmm. part of being human under these systems and be fully awake to the love, the love the people who prayed for you and thought about you and envisioned you for generations to come you know behind you and like that love is here i yeah. can't remember the exact words you said but like the love <laughs> yeah the love the love and don't don't be numb to any of it Oof. but I'd yes love to be numb to at least some of it <laughs> um, you know yeah our nervous systems, I've said this before, are not built to experience all that we're being asked to right. to experience right now in these times. That's for that's for sure. Um maybe that's why it's only one day. Maybe so. All Saints Day, not All Saints Month or something. <laughs> yeah. Um But even so, you know, they're here for us. That love is always here for us. Yeah. We we can call on it. It's it's not in that lectionary, but the the you know for this week. But the Hebrews, you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They are always there. Yeah. And I really do think they're cheering us on. I do too. And probably you know kicking us in the butt when we need to be, if we're <laughs> paying attention. But because they know, this is what I think anyway. They know. The mistakes that they made. Mm -hmm. And would like for us not to make those same mistakes. Yeah. And we will be ancestors someday. Yeah. And there's a generation, generations ahead of us. Yeah, because what was the line in Psalm 90 about the generations to come? Mm-hmm. From everlasting to everlasting. 
our dwelling place in all generations, all of them, past, present, and future. Yeah. I could keep talking to you for a long time about this, I'm sure. Yes. As but I, I as think, could I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much to say. So much to say. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, thank you though for being in a conversation with me about this. Thank you for, thank you especially for sharing so many stories of your family. I mm. learn something every time I hear you talk about what you've learned about who they are and who, who they were, what they went through, mm -hmm. how they navigated life and, and how it lives in you. I learned, you know, there's, yeah. I just appreciate that modeling mm, that you do thanks and I learn a lot from it every time you tell the stories I really have to thank my my mom too and, and both my parents um because this is the way I grew up my mom started doing genealogy when I was a little 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 did a genealogy of my daddy's family that set it, settled the county where I was born in Arkansas it was her first project so I grew up going to cemeteries around where I was born and accompanying her when she would go and talk to, you know, cousins and all of this. And, and so I was just, I was raised with this sense of, yeah, being surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. It's one of my mom's favorite texts actually. And she's a story gatherer. It's not just facts for her, for her when she can get the stories. And sometimes it's just little snippets of things. Or sometimes it's something like what I noticed of like, why do they keep going back and forth to Ireland all of a sudden? Like, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. What can I dig into there? You know, um, why did this ancestor who lived in Cleveland leave the downtown church and go join a church that was very outspoken about being part of the Underground Railroad? I want to think it's because he was down with being part of the Underground Railroad. I'm not sure, but like, huh, isn't that interesting? You know, there's wondering. Yeah, there's wondering. Um, so I just, I really have to thank her too for boxes and boxes of family stories and being able to know where we come from. Because I, I know that not everybody gets to know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With that kind of specificity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yep. Mm -hmm. Family trees. Family trees. Those trees. The trees planted by the Those water. Trees. The path to the water. The path to the water. The path to the water. Mm. You had a suggestion for our people, um, our I do. listeners here, for a call I to do. action. You all yes. should know that we could literally keep talking for yes hours. So, mm -hmm. um, and we'll probably just send each other more cat memes after this. <laughs> so, the conversation. 
conversation will continue. Yes. <laughs> offer our uh, call to action for today, my friend. Yes, I'd like to invite folks to, you can just Google it. There's an organization called White Awake. And um, I want to commend them as a, a starting place if this conversation has made, and you know, particularly if you're a white person, if it's made you curious about how to dig into your own lineages um, to uncover places in need of healing and repair. And, you know, like, like Reverend Ann was talk about, talking about finding the stories that might lead us into further finding the places of connection with folks suffering similar traumas right now, um, who we might build coalition with. Um, White Awake is doing some great work um, to help white folks like us have a starting place to dig into that. And in particular, I know they have a, uh, a foundational course. Uh, I believe I'm pretty sure that it's available online. It's called Roots Deeper Than Whiteness. Um, so we'll put their landing page and the action links of the transcript so that I believe that it's a little late to join the one that just started in October. Um, but you can just follow their their page for future offerings. And if that's a place that you want to get started, I think that's a it's a good place to begin. Yeah, I've heard yeah. very good things about them. So I yeah, can also so recommend that. Yes. <laughs> Belovas, thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org and you can find transcripts of each episode there which include references, resources, and action links. You'll also find a listener survey where you can leave us feedback about what you're learning with us. So check that out. And we're off next week, but uh, we'll be back the week after that with a resistance word from M. And of course, a huge thanks to our sound editor this week, Jordan Perry. Blessings to you and all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm Reverend Ann. And I'm Reverend Liz. It's wonderful to have been with you all. And may you be watching for those pathways that lead to the water. Amen. Amen. Amen.